I find it interesting that each department manages and measures the success of projects differently. Wouldn't it be great if there were a tool that provided a proven, repeatable process to estimate time and costs associated with development? This includes tracking budgets, building storyboards and communication campaigns, organizing training deployments, and isolating business impact so users can correlate ROI specifically with training. If that sounds too good to be true, it's not, and the wait is over. Check out Instructional Design Genius, a comprehensive end-to-end platform that supports learning professionals as they plan, build, deploy, and measure training initiatives. The creator, Chris Straley, is one of us, a learning development professional. Check out a tool that's made for L&D by an L&D professional. Learn more at InstructionalDesignGenius.com. That's InstructionalDesignGenius.com. On today's episode, we are once again visiting the topic of games, specifically gamified learning. Now, right from the start, I think we should clarify the difference between educational games, which we covered in part two of this series, and gamified learning. Generally, when we discussed educational games, we were referring to standalone games with some element of educational value or perceived value attached. We went over the phenomenon that occurs when the balance is out of whack. Too much education, and it's likely not much fun, but then too much fun and it's likely lacking in educational value. Another big difference is most of the examples we discussed had children as a target audience. Many were even used in elementary school classrooms like the Oregon Trail and Carmen San Diego. For today's discussion, we're going to assume gamified learning occurs when a game is the main vehicle to deliver some sort of learning experience to adults that otherwise could have been presented in a different format that isn't gamified. For example, when the decision is made, and I despise this term, but to jazz up some dry content by inserting a game activity, or maybe more intentionally using a game format to encourage spaced repetition to increase retention. So with those semantics out of the way, Kara, have you ever heard someone say something along the lines of, look at all these people playing games on their phones. Imagine if we could get them as engaged with their training. Sadly, Joe, I hear that all the time. And it's actually a point that I know that I've brought up before and I've heard others bring up as well, such as Designing Digitally CEO Andrew Hughes. We all play games, even if it's not on a phone. We play games with ourselves to engage ourselves in tasks, whether it is seeing how quickly you can finish something Racing somebody on the road, which is a personal favorite of mine, driving back and forth to another state to see my family, and seeing if you can find something before someone else does. I think we all like to gamify our life. We do. And for the record, I'd like to say that we as a podcast promote safe driving. Sometimes I like to play how fast I can complete the compliance course I've already taken six times. And because we know people do this, I think that's a reason why a highly engaging yet effective learning experience where we can measure progress is like the holy grail of learning and performance. For as long as I've been around, that's what people claim they're after. And while the game mentioned might change over time, that desire for high engagement remains. Back in the day, it was Farmville and then Angry Birds and on to Candy Crush. And I don't even know what the go-to casual game is these days. 
I'm not sure either, but I'm wondering if Candy Crush is still a thing. I think we crushed all the candies. Okay, good. I'm glad that we crushed all the candies. Although I did find out when I was in London that Marco Ficini is a Candy Crush addict. So shout out to him if he is listening. Why don't we break this down a little bit more and let's explore this engagement and see why these games are popular. If you think about games like these, they don't really have any predefined ends. In other words, there is no ultimate goal or point where the player sees game over. Being able to complete every quest and then wake up the next day to see more levels unlocked, well, that can certainly be addicting. Also, many of these games have rewards on variable schedules. For example, there may be a daily bonus where you get free tokens for signing in each day, or a player may be rewarded on average for a number of tasks that they complete. Regardless, the player knows that they're going to get some type of reward for signing in. Can you imagine if we created learning experiences that way? You bring up some interesting points, especially about enticing people to come back later. Going back to the desire people express for such high engagement, there's two big problems with that sentiment. First is the fact that games today are intentionally designed to capture and hold people's attention to the point of being addictive, like you mentioned Marco earlier. Developers are intentionally exploiting the way our brains are wired to keep us glued to the screen in order to either display more ads or get us to fork over more and more money. The parallels to slot machines and other casino games is really striking. So we have to ask, do we really want people that engaged in the first place? Second, the other downside to something that highly engaging is it runs the risk of becoming a hindrance to productivity. If I'm so engrossed in this game that's like Candy Crush, I'm going to want to keep playing it even after the intended learning component might be satisfied. Now, I have yet to see any gamified learning experience anywhere near that enthralling, but we should still be careful what we ask for. I haven't seen any billboards yet that say, are you addicted to your organization's learning? If so, we can help. Is learning an addiction? I I agree with both of your points, Joe. And even though I can say that I know and I have met the world's tallest man in L&D, good practice is James McLucky, we don't manage carnivals. We are learning and development professionals. We need to focus on the supporting of the performance of the employee and to also help create a knowledge management system for our organizations. More and more, these knowledge management systems are critical for legal defensibility. And if I may, I'm going to share a story. I know a person that works for a state prison system, and she tells a cautionary tale that I feel like all learning development professionals should hear. She calls it how a pencil turned into pregnancy. In her prison system, there was a corrections officer that one day let an inmate borrow a pencil. Despite it being against organizational rules, the officer did it anyway. This helped spark a friendship that led to extra phone time and bending of other organizational rules. They ended up having a romantic relationship and the female inmate became pregnant. When the inmate turned on the officer and said he was the father, the officer denied being trained about the rules of the relationships in the prison. When it was investigated, It was found that there was like a 20 plus year old video that the officers were supposed to watch in a room with a trainer that discussed the matter. 
period. That was it. There was no kind of discussion around it. It was just basically instead of being a learner, in my opinion, they were just being a consumer of media. And that part of the curriculum was just checked off as a day and not at a subject level. So the organization was actually held responsible for it because that video did not have legal defensibility with the judge on training that particular person for the information, knowing that they shouldn't have done that with that inmate. Now, the reason I bring this up is I think it's really difficult, especially when you have this one topic that you're like, man, this will be really great for a game. But then you have this game that you build for your training, but then all the rest of your training is in a different medium. I I don't think that that really looks good on your entire knowledge management system. So when you think about building a game or building training, I think that one of the things that you need to think about is Does this have legal defensibility where they're not just consuming, they're not addicted to just the interaction, but are the learners actually applying what information you're putting out there in order to make sure that this is something that has that legal defensibility? We at the Instructional Redesign Podcast promote safe pencil usage. Now, one inevitability in our free market society is if you express a desire long enough and loud enough, someone will answer the call and offer to sell a product or service that will fill that perceived need. Then if that company makes a sizable profit, others will likely follow suit. As a result of L&D professionals dreaming out loud of training audiences engrossed in gamified learning experiences with evaluation metrics going through the roof, we have conjured a marketplace of vendors ready to answer the call with a wide variety of products and services. The question now is how effective are all these solutions and have any of them found the holy grail or are they just selling snake oil? I have to ask, where can I take some lessons on how to play a tune on my punji? And if you don't know what a punji is, well, I learned about it playing Donald Duck's quack shot for the Sega Genesis. Come to think of it, I think most of my knowledge comes from video games, but I digress. For any of these solutions to work, in my opinion, you have to go back to basics. Is a game going to be appropriate for your training population? Will the game be sustainable in the training suite of services? How will the game be maintained? Games, in my opinion, really show our shiny syndrome. To determine if it's the right fit, not to be a buzzkill, you really need to do an appropriate front-end assessment and a value if it's needed in the first place. Depending on the task and material, you can create non-high-tech games, such as a card game or a scavenger hunt that can provide a break in the mundane to help with engagement without breaking your training budget and to have a highly polished module that sticks out like a sore thumb. Sore thumbs, also a potential side effect of being too engaged in games. Ask your doctor if gamified learning is right for you. A few examples of vendors currently out there using gamified learning are M-Level, Exonify, and the eLearning Brothers who recently launched their training arcade. All three of those I've either seen demos of or had brief interactions with, but I'm highly skeptical of the actual learning value of these kinds of solutions. I'd love to be proven wrong here, but 
I think we as L&D professionals trying to add value to our organizations need to be asking some tough questions for more proof that these types of games are actually beneficial. If a vendor can only provide anecdotal evidence that it worked for XYZ company, then maybe we should be asking who we can talk to at that company to hear it from their perspective about how much it helped them. Absolutely. And just because it worked at a particular company doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work at your company. So don't be afraid to ask those questions. Another consideration is I always like to think back to instructor-led training, which I know at my organization we still do, and a lot of organizations still have that element. I despise when instructor-led training has a Jeopardy game because to me that's a complete throwaway of an engagement. They essentially do it to break up what's going on, but to me it has little to no value in what's going on because just because I can answer a question doesn't mean I'm going to be able to apply that information in my job on whatever I'm being trained on. So Joe, what games have you seen in the wild or in the trenches of learning and development that you think have done a good job with engagement and some that might need a little assistance? Well, since you mentioned instructor-led training, I'd like to mention that breaking out into groups and doing some type of game-like activity together, I think is beneficial as much as I personally generally don't like doing group group activities. Uh, I have had some very positive experiences working in groups together. As far as the digital gaming experience, uh, I think the best ones are that I've experienced are custom made. Uh, so this would not be something where we're using a templatized game that uh, is a vendor solution, but something where someone has created some type of interactive simulation, so to speak. The best ones I've seen are something along the lines of putting yourself in the shoes of somebody who's doing a task in an attempt to have you empathize with the person that you're assuming the role of. So for example, um, instead of saying, here are all the rules you need to follow per OSHA, it can actually put you in the shoes of an OSHA inspector and you're going around a facility trying to find different violations. So it's that type of gamified experience combined with very relevant content and context that I think makes a gamified learning experience successful. I agree with you, Joe, and I actually have another example of a great e-learning that I think really embodies gamification. It was created by Mike Taylor, and it's a series called Shady Grady. And instead of it being the phishing training that many of us have seen in our own organizations, uh, Mike does a great job of flipping the paradigm and actually focusing on the person that is trying to steal your identity. And he created this character called Shady Grady, where you can see why he does what he does because it's easy and you don't get caught and you kind of go through how somebody goes in to steal your identity and what's in it for them. So I think that that's a great example as well. Yeah. And information security is another great example where you can use a gamified activity to put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's trying to uh, exploit some type of security vulnerability, such as social engineering or a lapse in a location security, physical security, that kind of thing. And it's it's a lot more effective than just saying, 
here are all the things you need to do to protect information security, but actually shows what it's like from the other side of the equation and why it's important. So we'd like to hear from you. What gamified learning experiences have you found successful or what challenges do you have creating your own gamified learning experiences? Go ahead and share on social media with the hashtag IRDpodcast any successes or struggles that you're having, and let's start a conversation online. So to summarize everything we've been talking about today, I think it comes down to as much as we desire to have our target audience deeply engaged in what we create, that may or may not be a good outcome to strive for. A phrase I like to go back to when it comes to gamification that I've heard is chocolate-covered broccoli. We need to make sure that when we're adding gamified elements to our learning solutions, we're not just adding a coating of chocolate to broccoli, but we're actually adding some value that's meaningful to something that makes sense. So it's this combination of content and context that, that I always like to go back to. We need to make sure we're engaging with the right vendors to get the right products or services that will actually help us achieve the goals that we're after and not be caught up in some shiny, maybe even pseudoscience-driven solutions. And lastly, don't just create gamified content, but strive to create meaningful experiences that create value for people and provide something that they can apply back to their work. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Instructional Redesign Podcast. I'm Kara North. And I'm Joe Suarez. Thanks for listening. If you can get like um, a, like a punji playing us out, that would be really sweet.